chapters. I probably have memorized more chapters in the book of Isaiah than probably the book of Psalms. And, and uh, I just appreciate his ministry, the way that he, he, he relates, the way that he shares, the insight that he has. Most of you know that Hezekiah was Isaiah's uncle. Hezekiah died, and Isaiah got his eyes back on the Lord. God called him. He accepted the challenge, and he actually, I believe, Pastor, if you'll help me, I believe that he was cut in half with a sword, saw, saw it in half. And uh, most of his prophecies, he never saw them come to pass. But he's the one that prophesied, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He prophesied that the Lord himself shall give you a sign of virgin, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. He also prophesied that Jesus would be tied to a, a post and would be beaten 39 times for 39 diseases of the world. Incredible writer, um, incredible prophet, sharing Isaiah 55. And I want to stay real close to my notes today. And if you're, right, if you're running things down, I'll, I would like for you to write down, first of all, if you just write down, Wrong voices, wrong choices. If you will, I uh, was on Facebook a couple of days ago, and a young lady that went to our church years and years ago actually made that comment, made that statement, and gave me the credit. And I was so impressed. I was so impressed with that because 90% of stuff that I get from others, I don't give them the credit. They, you know, they, I bought their book. That should be credit enough. They were blessed because I bought their book. Uh, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. So we're constantly reading, we're constantly researching, we're constantly looking at things. And I believe the word this morning will be a blessing for you. Isaiah 53, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the water, and ye that have no money, come you buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come to me, here and your soul shall live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, even the sure mercies of David. This is God's word to you this morning. There's some important things in this particular chapter that I want to bring to your attention. And I like the thought that the church is the only place in the city that you can go and receive water, wine, and milk without cost or without any, any involvement whatsoever. You come to the house of God and you come one way and you leave another. Something about either the corporate worship or the corporate prayer or the opportunity to sow an offering, or the opportunity to hear a word, or the opportunity to pray one with another. Things happen when you go to the house of God. And, I, and things happen when you honor the word of God. When God says, I want you to come to a place, David talked about that he allows us to lay down beside still waters. There's a place of refreshment that God has for us in our busy schedule, and all the things that we're doing, all the things that overwhelm us, there is a place that's sheltered safe in the arms of God, and there's a place of refreshment. There's a river there, and there's things that God wants to sustain us with. And I'll share in a minute the purpose of wine, milk, and water. Here the Isaiah asks the question, why are you spending your money on something that is not bread? Why are you spending your money on something that does not bring you pleasure? Can anybody relate? 
I mean, there's, there's times in our life we see something, we absolutely have to have it, and we may not have enough money to get it, so we'll go in that drawer that has all those quarters, dimes, and nickels, and we'll scoop them all up, and we'll take them to Cook's and stick them on that machine, and Cook charges you 10%, but they'll give you dollar bills because nobody wants to take a, like $81 of change to Walmart and buy a new rod and reel. Hello? But have you ever spent your money on something that later you said, well, man, that was kind of a flop. That was kind of a dud. That didn't really, that didn't really do what I thought it would do. And that's what Isaiah is saying. There are ways that you can invest your time. There are ways you can invest your money. There are things that you can be involved in that God will bring a blessing. And God makes a statement, if you listen to me, if you hear what I have to say, not only is your soul going to live, but I'm going to go into a covenant with you, and I'm going to even allow you to have the things that I allowed David to have. We remember David. He made a mistake. He messed up. But in Psalms 51, David said, have mercy upon me, O God. Mercy, we know, that, we know that grace is getting something we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting something we do deserve. Can anybody relate? Because of mistakes and failures, there's things that we probably deserve to be punished. We probably, I got to thinking the other day, I probably break the speed limit every single day of my life. And there's a stop sign that I used to run. I ran the stop sign for 20-some-odd years. And then we met the, the city manager. And he actually came and removed the stop sign. There, there's no stop sign there anymore. However, if I ever got pulled over, I would tell the officer, I deserve this ticket. I've run this stop sign three or four times a day for 20-some-odd years. I, I deserve this. But there's so many. <laughs> Can anybody relate to what Pastor Hank is saying today? God is wanting us to incline our ear, and God wants us to hear what he has to say. And as we look at wrong voices, wrong choices, let me flip that around and say, right voices, right choices. And I've learned that in the word of God, that when we deal with our insecurities, God makes a statement, I am. And when God says that I am, he also says, you are. Look at somebody and say, you are. Because he is, I am. And everything God says about me, that's what I am. So when insecurities come, I start going through the word of God and say, what does the word of God say about me? It says I'm the head and not the tail. It says I'm going to loan. I'm not going to borrow. It says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So when I have an insecurity, instead of talking to somebody that's probably going to convince me that I'm even more messed up than I think I am. I mean, if you go to a psychologist, I mean, he'll have you bipolar, bipolar, borderline personality. He'll have you manic depressant. He'll have you schizophrenic. He'll have you paranoia. He'll have you multiple personality. And there's not enough medicine at, at CVS to solve all those problems that your psychologist, if you just talk long enough, would determine what's wrong with you. And probably none of that is wrong with you, but they, get, they just get so used to finding things wrong with people. If you don't leave, they're corrected. They feel like they haven't done their deed and they don't earn their $80 an hour. Come on, somebody help me in this place. When I walk in fear, I remember it says, he will lead me out of the shadow of, of death for his name's sake. So when I get overwhelmed by fear, overwhelmed by, by just, just panic, anybody ever just like, you just panic? Have you had a good panic attack? Lately, I don't do well with uh, um, when I was young uh, for fun and it wasn't really all that fun, but we smoked a joint. So we after we smoked a joint, they put me in the dryer to see how many times I could go around without throwing up. And I hated that. I hated. Can anybody relate 
how, how paranoid you would get if you got stuck in a dryer and they turned the thing on. What's even worse, one time we tried, and Becky can relate to this, one time we tried to put 17 people in a Volkswagen. And unfortunately, I was the first one in, and I hated it. I did not like it. I remember one time, uh, it, we weren't, and we weren't even trying to do anything, but we were in a phone booth, and all of a sudden, everybody was crying in the phone booth, and it's like you're smashed up against the wall, and I hated that. I mean, it, can anybody relate? I remember Rhonda's dad and I were going to go save uh, seats. I think it was a Phil Driscoll concert somewhere for the General Assembly, and we got there early, and there were glass doors, and, and as we got there, not hundreds, but thousands of people began to join us, and I'm not kidding, literally, we were smashed up against the door, and I thought I was going to have to lay through four people out just to have standing room, and what made me so mad, there's an usher on the other side of the door, we're smashed up against the, wall, the, the glass, and I'm looking at the usher, and I'm saying, open the door, open the door, we're going to die, and he's going, it's not time, it's not time, and had Ron his dad not been with me once I got in there the spirit of slap I would have I promise you I would have I would have choked him I would have I would have hurt him but but there there are there 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 are other areas of fear fear you're not going to be a good husband fear you're not going to be a good dad fear you're not going to be a good employer not be a good boss you're not going to be a good wife not going to be a good student so when those fears come in then I go to the word of God and I hear that God has my back and I hear that God will not leave me or forsake me even until the end of the world. No matter what bad things happen, God's going to be with me and he's going to help me deal with my fear. When I think about shame and condemnation, I think about the fact that he has purchased me with the blood of his son. All my mistakes, my past is washed away. I'm a brand new creature, a brand new opportunity, and it helps me deal with shame and condemnation. And then when I deal with discouragement, I know nobody ever gets discouraged. You never get discouraged. Yesterday, I took on the job of the century. The Suburban has not been washed since opening day of bow season. It had deer hair, it had blood, it had guts, it had corn. The corn had molded, it had grease, it had trash, it had tools, it had... And so Miss Lisa and I, we just decided we're going to park it in the breezeway, take everything out of it, sort everything. In. You'd have been so proud of me. I had a bag for all my hunting stuff, a bag for all my fishing stuff, a stack of my coffee cups, a, a, about four things of trash we took to the dumpster. And I actually, a comp, I actually got the Suburban actually looking pretty good, and I left some pine sole in there, and it smells good. But it was very discouraging because every time I got in the Suburban, there was a layer of dust on the... I know none of that stuff bothers guys. I know that does not bother you. But stuff like that is so frustrating. So I was so encouraged by the outcome of the Suburban that yesterday I went into the yard, put my gloves on, got my hole from hell. Let me rephrase that. I got my hole that can cut anything that comes from hell. And I've got some blackberry vines that have taken over my garden I went up there, I started whacking, hacking, got about half of it done, got blood on me about seven or eight times, but I felt like because I was motivated by the Suburban, I chose to choose the, 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 the garden. Then when I got in the house, Pastor Ron said, hey, you want to help out in the house? I was not motivated to help out in the house. I did the car, I did the garden, I did the guy thing, I put all my cups in the sink, hello, I did everything that I was supposed to do, and, and I was done. But when, I, but when I feel the spirit of this discouragement, I begin to realize, again, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When I think about life and I think about writing things down, I'd like you to write this down just for a minute. I just want you to write down, if you wrote down wrong voices, wrong choices, right voices, right choices. I want you to write down, call 
and response. Call and response. No one in their right mind in this room would dial a number or hold the phone without the expectation of someone responding. Everything concerning life is about call and response. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was not formed and void, and darkness moved upon the face of the waters, and the Spirit of God moved upon the earth. And God, watch this, said, let there be light. And what happened? There was light. There was a call, and there was a response. And then when you begin to look at the first chapter of Genesis, you realize that God said it, it was. God said it. It was. God said it. It was. Today, the guys were operating in cadence. That's like one, two, three, four. That's the music. That's the rhythm. That's what keeps the song together. Let me say, if I may, the cadence of creation is made up by the rhythm of call and response. Everything that God speaks come to pass. Everything that God declares, it will happen. When you begin to realize that God right now is prophesying over you through his word, preaching you through his word, declaring great things over his word, we come to a place where it's almost like Simon Says. Right. How many have ever played the game Simon Says? Yeah. Would everybody lift their hand? Simon didn't say you could lift your hand, but you lifted your hand. See, that's, that's, that's the... <laughs> I got you. Sorry. Sorry. Everything you see in life... Think about that for a minute. Everything you see in life. No exceptions. Started with something God said. Everything you see in life. And so when, when you realize that everything you see in life started with something God said, realize everything that you have in your life today, you created with your words. When you said, I do, you created that marriage. When you said, I'm going to this school, you created that education. When you said, I'm going to fill out this application, you created that job. When you get on the phone and you talk, you create those friendships. You create those relationships. So may I say to you today, be careful not only of what you say, but be careful of what you prophesy over yourself. Um, Statements like, that scared me to death. Well, I'm not all hung up on cliches like, I mean, like that. But when you said you worked your butt off, I mean, you don't have a butt anymore? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm being really silly to make a point. We say some really silly things about ourselves. I'll never be any good at that. You prophetically said you would fail. I'll never, I'll never be able to have that job. I'll ne never be able to have that kind of boyfriend, that kind of husband, that kind of wife. I'll never drive that kind of car. I'll never. And when, when you make statements like that, you're actually prophesying negative about your spirit, your life, your future, and your family. And same thing when you speak the same thing over your kids. You'll never get that room clean. You'll never make good grades. You'll, you're just like your dad. You're just blah, blah, blah. Not only can you speak negative prophecies about yourself, you can speak negative prophecies about others. You guys, if I have to come down and start amening myself, then we are in trouble. Psalms 5 and 1, watch this. The, the process of life. Give ear to my word. Here's David. Acknowledging God, asking for, asking for God to listen to what he has to say. Voices, choices. Give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my meditation. 
The meditation is the thought process. So here he's got the, thought, he's got the, the brain in effect. He's got the mouth in effect. Give ear to my word, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken under the voice of my cry. And here we find a little ship. It's not just a simple talking to God, but it's the cry of our heart, the desire of our heart, the desire of our life, the desire of our ministry, of our future, of our family. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, O God, my King, for unto thee will I pray. Now watch this. O Lord, in the morning, there's action. So you got the mind, you got the mouth, you got the action. O Lord, in the morning, will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Expected response. Right words, right thoughts, right actions, right response. Something about David had the attitude of, this is a tough day. I'm in a tough place. I really need to hear from God. I'm meditating on him. I'm meditating on his word. I'm meditating on the promises that he wants me to have. Isaiah 1:18 says, come now, let us reason together. So David is reasoning with God. Here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to be in the morning. Someone say, in the morning. I love that movie where she said, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you tomorrow. You're only a day away. There are times in my life around 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the evening, I'm glad that day is drawing to a close because I did not accomplish what I wanted to accomplish that day. Some things happened that I didn't want to happen that day. I had some thought processes I wish I hadn't have had. I made some statements I wish I, I hadn't said. You know, when we're discouraged, we'll say the stupidest things. Right. I mean, we really will. And they're usually negative prophecies about ourselves. Right. I mean, you can, get dis- you can get discouraged about, let me be careful how I say this. You can be discouraged over the cake that you baked, and you can say, someone left the cake out in the rain. No, you can say, I'll never, watch this, I'll never bake that cake again. You can go to your job, have a rough day, and say, I'll never go back to that job again. You can have a rough evening with your wife and say, I'm not, I'm, I'm out of this marriage, I'm out of here. See what you're doing? Anybody? You're speaking. <laughs> now, again, if I got to do this myself, you're speaking things that either bring life or death. When I go to Wendy's, they know my voice. Pastor Rhonda, when she goes to Chick-fil-A, they, they know her voice. When I get to the, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. If you've ever gone with me to Wendy's to drive through, when I get to the window, there are four or five employees there because they either think I'm going to bring them fudge, jerky, or homemade ice cream. I've established that kind of relationship. That's why on any given day, I can go get all the ice, five, six ice chests, all the ice I want because I have developed favor there. But when I'm at the window, I say, I want a double cheeseburger. I want chili, extra crackers. I want iced tea, half and half, light on the ice. And, when, and I always say, I always say, and I know this yesterday, Pastor Ronnie, you came home with the medium. I never come home with the medium. I say, I don't want a medium iced tea, half sweet, half unsweet, light on the ice. And when I get to the window, I get the big dude. I don't like the big dude. It hurts my wrist to hold on to the big cup. But they think that they're blessing me. In other words, my words of, of my relationship with Wendy's, I'm blessed every time I go with a large tea, whether I want it or not. Am I, am I communicating to anybody in this place? Okay, so, so we're, we be careful what we say. There's expectation to what we say. Some of us have more confidence in McDonald's than we have in the prophetic word of God. Now, I have absolutely no confidence in Taco Bell. They usually always get something wrong. Can anybody relate? Yes. 
And if you've got a child, you can't just blow it off because your child wants you to go back to the Taco Bell and get the taco without tomatoes. And if you don't, then you're not all that great of a dad. Am I talking to anybody in the building? So we, we, we need to start putting confidence in words that we say, but being careful what we say and how we say it and who we say it to. Today, 24 hours, your brain will think 60,000 thoughts before the day is over. And one survey has said 48,000 of those thoughts are negative. I mean, I wondered this morning how many negative thoughts we've already thought or, or, or have, have dwelt upon. Maybe bad hair day. Maybe you couldn't find matching socks. Maybe you ran over the lawnmower and you backed the car out of the garage. Maybe you just, maybe you, you had a, your coffee was cold. But it, it doesn't take a whole lot to trigger a negative attitude. Am I helping anybody in the building? Charles Spurgeon with the exception of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, is prob was probably the greatest preacher of all, at least in the top ten. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. Beware of no man more than yourself. And I want to give you something cute to write down. If you write down this for me, the enemy is within me. The enemy is within me. Josh, if I were to take the one person who messed up my life more than anybody else, caused me more pain, more hurt, more confusion, more woe, and take him outside this building and just give him a good butt kicking as he deserved, I probably wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. Beware of no man more than yourself. We carry our own worst enemies within us. Watch this. Say this with me. The enemy, the enemy is in a me. The enemy, say it again, enemy. is in a me. Watch this. You can spend your whole life trying to fix everything around you. You can fix your whole, you spend your whole life trying to fix everybody around you. You can line them up. You can tell them what's wrong with them, what they need to do. You can, you, can, you, can, you can change everything around you. But if you don't deal with the problem, it's not an external problem. It's an internal problem. And probably if you're on your 11th marriage and your 23rd job and you're driving your 18th car, probably it's not everybody else that's all messed up. You might want to go to a psychologist and learn that you're bipolar, borderline, schizo, manic depressant, multiple personality, and whatever else there. Or, or you need to realize that, you know what, probably the challenge I'm having right now is that I am thinking 48,000 negative thoughts a day. And if you think about it long enough, you're going to say it. Come on. If you think about it long enough, you're going to say it. What you're thinking about is going to become a, 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 a word or a phrase. And then you usually wind up operating in that word or phrase. And then later at the end of the day, you beat yourself up because you put your thought process in the negative. Write this down, if you will, just for a minute. Dialogue and destiny. Dialogue and destiny. Brennan Manning, a famous author, makes this statement. Great deeds remain undone, and the possibility of growth into greatness of soul is aborted. Why? Because of the internal dialogue that we're having with ourselves. The challenge with being a perfectionist, 
there's a lot of things that you won't even start because you feel like you don't have time to do it right. Does that help anybody in this place? And, when, and, and when, you, when you walk through those things, you begin to realize that the lies you believe, say this with me, lies create limitations. For years, they said a four-minute mile could not be run for years. Nobody would attempt the four-minute mile because everybody said it couldn't, couldn't happen. For years, they thought the world was flat. For years, they thought the sun was evolving around us. There are, there, are, there are so many things in life that we have learned that are so out of order, misconcept, incorrect, but the lies that we believe can limit us and keep us from doing what we want to do. It was like the pole vault. There was a season when athletes felt like they could never jump 10 foot in the pole vault. They would throw the discs and say, this is the record. It can't be beat. But you know that every year in the Olympics, every record is being broken time after time after time after time. Because you start talking to that inner person on the side of you and say, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can jump 10 foot in the pole. I can run a four-minute mile. I, I can accomplish these things because I've been talking myself out of the things that God wants me to do because I don't have confidence in myself. Watch this. When I used to go to churches, and for eight years I traveled full-time, 300 different churches of the nation, 17 countries, 30 states, none of that matters. But I usually always introduce myself with the statement of, before I start this message this morning, I'm already in trouble because many of you have already formed an opinion about me. Some of you think my hair is too long. Some of you think my hair is too short. Some of you think that I'm too young. Now, that probably won't happen anymore. Some of you think that I'm too old. Some of you think that I'm long-winded. Some of you think that I'm short-winded. Some of you think that I tell too many jokes. Some of you think I don't have enough humor. So magnify that twice on yourself. You say to yourself, I'm too short. I'm too tall. I'm too skinny. I'm too fat. I'm too smart. I'm too dumb. I'm too organized. I'm too scatterbrained. I don't have enough money. I have enough money. Do you, do you, do you see here how you can talk your, the lies that you believe create limitations in your life? And you, when you miss what God has to say about you and over you, you have wrong conversations with yourself. You ready? Nobody likes me. Nobody. I knew this would happen. I can't do this. This is impossible. I'll never, I'll never do this again. I'll never. And so you, st you start speaking things, and then you follow up by what you would say. When people say, can I tell you something? And they tell you, and they say, just kidding. Can I tell you something? You got bad breath. I'm just kidding. They're not kidding. You really do have bad breath. But, but we have... We've always, we've always tried to manipulate, and I, I know let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nays, but I mean, and I know you speak the truth in love, but you don't usually tell a person they have bad breath. Offer them a cert or a lifesaver or one of those things in their mouth, and they'll get the hint sooner, sooner or later, or they'll enjoy your, your, your mint. Um, I, I wrote this in the, in the, in the margin. The, the devil will say, or use anything he can to trash you. And I wrote down some of the things that he will use. He'll use Facebook. He'll use a text. He'll use a blog. 
He'll use an Instagram. He'll use a TV. He'll use a newspaper. He'll use a boyfriend. He'll use a wife. He'll use parents. We went yesterday for my, my yearly checkup, and I lost six pounds. I was impressed. If you want to lose, lose six pounds, just stop eating honey buns. It will happen every time, I assure you. But our doctor took it upon himself to give Christine some lessons about boys. And he immediately addressed what the boys would say to her to try to manipulate her. And he told her when they say things like this, just say, eh, you ain't worth it anyway. Hello. <laughs> just, just, shut, just shut the door. And I thought about if in every area of life, when things come in our life that are incorrect or bad, if we would either the right things to think, the right things to say, or we would have the right people in our life telling us what to say, telling us what to speak, we would be a better puppy. God said in Isaiah 55, watch this, eat and your soul shall live. In the garden, the devil told Eve, you won't die. Look, I can touch it. I can eat it. He was already dead. This, this, won't, this won't kill you. So what happens is God said, eat and your soul shall live. But God said, if you eat of this, your soul shall die. The enemy will always try to contradict what God has to say and take any half-truth, a mistruth, a part of a truth, when he confronted, and don't let me get ahead of myself because I'll address that a little, a little later. The, 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 the challenge that I find in the garden, I mean, can you imagine Adam and Eve had it made? All they did was walk around naked and eat pomegranates. They named all the animals. I mean, I, mean, I mean, what a blast, what a life, what a... And every day in the cool of the evening, God showed up and they talked. I mean, what an what a, what a, what a, what a ambiance, what an what a utopia. Can you imagine anything better than that? Just enjoying nature, enjoying life, enjoying one another. I mean, I mean one day he said, okay, today we're going to list the 2,700 different varieties of butterflies alphabetically in their Latin terms. Well, someone did it. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, the Bible says Adam and Eve named all that stuff. And I just believe Adam, Adam and Eve named all that stuff. I mean, they probably sat there for a minute and goes, hmm, eh, giraffe. Let's call it giraffe, okay? Hippopo hippopo hippopotamus. Let's call that hippopotamus. Skunk. <laughs> That's a skunk. Hello. I mean, how cool an environment. But all of a sudden, the devil starts speaking through something else. And notice what he speaks through. He speaks through the most beautiful, magnificent, smartest animal on the block. And the challenge I see with Adam and Eve, and I think Adam was probably off golfing or bow hunting or doing something when the snake was talking to the chick. But what the negative I see is that the chick got in trouble when she started talking back to the snake. When she started negotiating with Oh, no, God said we can eat, we can eat all, all the trees except for this one here. And when the snake began to tell her, this won't kill you, this won't hurt you, God just doesn't want you to be like him. In other words, she was introduced to the fact that she was missing out. Tell me what she was missing out on. I mean, every day to be in God's glory, 
every day to talk to God, every day to be used of God to take care of the garden that God had placed them over. I am from a different tribe. I do not believe that Cain and Abel were the first children born. I believe that Adam and Eve had children before the fall. The reason I believe that, the Bible says that Cain went and found a wife. Where'd she come from? He went to the city of Nod who built it. The Bible says that sons of God knew daughters of men and it created warriors, champions, a lot like the Conan. If you saw the, Bar the Arnold Schwarzenegger in, in, the Bar in, the, in the Barbarian, I believe that there was a, well, that, that's neither here nor there. But the challenge I see, Christine, is when you start talking back to the enemy, that's when you're going to get in trouble. He said, eat and you shall not die. God said, eat and you shall die. So they began to negotiate what God had to say. And God was not there to represent himself because God had planned in their heart and spirit over and over again, do anything you want, just don't eat of this one. How hard can that be, guys? How hard? Do, do whatever you want, just, just don't drive in this lane. This is the lane. There's going to be two or more in there. How many people do you see driving in the lane? There's supposed to be two or more, and there's only one in there. Don't you just want to run them off the road, let them whack the fence? I mean, how dare you? Come on now. Can't you follow? Can't you follow the rule? Or somebody that's traffic is backed up all the way, and some guy gets on the shoulder and drives all the way down the shoulder and gets there. And what do you do? You immediately pull behind him and follow him because, you know, if it's good. Hello. I mean, it's like, it's like if I got to obey the rules, then why don't you? Now, watch what happens when the second Adam, Adam same temptation, and I wrote, I wrote this down. If you don't talk back to the devil, you probably won't disobey God's word. If you don't talk back to the devil. Okay, if you'll write this down, switching streams. Michael, I love to fish. And I have five lakes, so I usually, any bass I catch, I usually put it in a live well. And I take it to my lakes and put them in there so I can have fish to fish there. And there's a certain lake that I used to go to. And many of you don't remember. I don't remember what they traveled with. Uh, Nikki Cruz led worship for us for years. But they had a little pond. And Josh, about every Saturday morning, I would go take my live well and take my devil horse lure. And I caught some real nice bass out of there. Caught, actually caught one over six pounds. Put it in the live well, brought it back to our lakes. But after a while, Becky, it was like I would go, and it was a, it was a beautiful lake, beautiful environment, a little bench for me to sit, put my tackle, and they'd bring me out coffee, and I'd, I'd visit with them, and I'd, and I'd catch fish by beginning to go, and it was a nice environment, but there weren't any fish because I had caught all the fish out of it. You know what I did? I found me another place to go fish where there was fish. When you switch streams, say this with me, switching streams, God said, come ye to the water. There's a possibility that God wants you to drink, God wants you to eat at a different place that you've been eating or drinking. Am I helping anybody? Okay, when God said, come to the water, obviously God wanted us to drink the water. It makes sense. Pastor Ron and I have people in our life that they have serious physical issues, serious physical issues. And it's almost like constantly there's a serious physical issue. And we have learned that this person, from the rising of the sun, the sitting an entire day, they do not drink any water whatsoever, none. 
How many knows that your body's made up of about 80% of water? How many knows it's important for you to drink water every day? I literally sometimes have to twist my arm behind my back and force myself to drink a bottle of water. Anytime someone offers me a bottle of water, I go ahead and drink it. I probably don't drink enough water, but at least I'm drinking some. So it's important that you know what the water of the word has to say. Hello. And then he says, come and drink milk. Milk is for babies. Thank God for new. Thank God for new Christians. Thank God for baby Christians. Thank God for kids that are growing. They're learning the Bible. They're learning what the Bible has to say. They're learning how to overcome stuff. And then wine is always represented the anointing. There's three things that God wants you to have. Water to survive. Listen, you will never survive against the enemy if you don't have the water of this word in your spirit. And you need to know, you might want to write this down. You need to know, Michael, what you're going to say to the enemy before he appears in your life. That make sense? Oh, I don't see that. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh, there it is. We'll, 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 we'll come to it. I wrote down here, be careful of who or what you let speak into your life. And Steve, I wrote down Glee. When Glee first started, it was an excellent program. It was, it was, they did all the songs in the 70s. It was a Glee club at school, and they were singing songs and going to the dance, and it was excellent. But the next season, it kind of got a little risque. And then the next season, it got a little, until finally, it shows two people, same sex, in bed kissing, and everybody goes, ooh, that's gross, or what, whatever that is. But they pull you in with the innocence, and then you're stuck. When I think of Hannah Montana, I have probably watched more Hannah Montana programs than Christine has. Because I loved Hannah Montana. There was, a, there was a theme, there was a moral, there was a value. I thought her dad was cool with his mullet and his eight track and his pickup truck. I just, I just thought there was a standard there that I liked. There wasn't a mom. So this dad, single dad, is raising his daughter and son. They're healthy kids. They're great kids. And she's Hannah Montana. But now that she's Miley Cyrus, because we were sucked in on the Hannah, now we'll buy the Miley and watch the DVD. And I'll pro I promise you the last DVD I saw of Miley Cyrus, we turned it off because she didn't have any clothes on. And I didn't want to fire up anything in my heart and spirit that I didn't need fired up. Am I talking to anybody in the building? I remember the Cosby show. I love the Cosby show. I thought it was a great, incredible program. Can anybody relate? I mean, he is one of the funniest men alive. Great cast. Lisa Bonet was the daughter. And then I saw that Lisa Bonet was in a movie. And I thought, Lisa Bonet, that's the, girl from, that's the girl from the Cosby show. So I rented the DVD. It was about voodoo. It was about witchcraft. It, was, it, was, it was, should have been X-rated. It was not X-rated. And you know what? I probably wasn't mature enough at that particular window of my life to just turn it off. The other night, Christine, went, we went to watch a movie, and I fell asleep, and I, I woke up, and the movie was off, and Christine decided on her own there was stuff on that movie she didn't want to see. And you know what's so funny? We went to the Red Box and picked it out together and read the review, and the review said nothing about the stuff that she saw and turned off. I think sometimes we, it's important that we turn things off before they get too registered, so they get too planted in our spirit. Be careful of who you let speak in your life. I've got glee. I've got Hannah Montana. I've got pretty little liars. I knew Tatum and Christine would react about that. I've never seen anything about it. I just threw that out there. Uh, write this down, if you will. Deception, 
and distortion. Deception and distortion. There are only three ways the enemy can work against you to manipulate you, to hurt you, destroy you, to kill. There's only, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does it by three means. The, the first mean is by means of accusation. The word says that he is the accuser of the brethren, and he has the ability to take someone innocent, make an accusation against them, and allow people to believe it to the degree that it could even shut down their ministry, shut down their marriage, shut down their job, shut down their life. I remember several, several years ago, I was preaching in Lindale, Georgia, and I was told the story of a little country church there, Chris, kind of out in the county, county seat, and the pastor had went to buy groceries, and the only box that this, this, the, the clerk had was either a Budweiser or a Coors box. So he put all of his groceries in this, in this box, carried out this car. At least someone saw him driving down the road, saw him carrying this box, went, got on the phone, said the pastor had bought some alcohol. Well, the, the, five minutes later, the pastor was seen stumbling down the street drunk. Then the pastor was arrested for drunk driving. And, and you, see how, you see how every time you tell the story, it gets juicier and juicier and juicier. That's exactly the way that the enemy works. Sad part of the story was it got so bad, the pastor had to resign from the church. And several years later, the pastor was an alcoholic. The power of words, the power of accusation, the power of deception. But Jesus promises, blessed are we when men accuse us and say all manner of evil against us falsely. Remember, David was anointed in 1 Samuel 16, fought Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. If you're anointed, there's probably going to be a battle. There's probably going to be a struggle. The enemy's probably going to take back what God has given you or hurt you in some way. If, if you're being accused, you're probably doing something right in the kingdom. The second way the enemy operates is through temptation. Let me tell you something. Matthew, Luke 4 and 1 says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. If Jesus, the Son of God, the spotless one, the perfect one, was tempted by the devil, know that you and I are going to be tempted by the devil. There's nothing wrong with temptation because God said, I will not allow you to be tempted beyond the level that you can overcome. God promises he puts that in us. It's not the temptation that will tear us up. It's when we submit to the temptation, drop the ball, and do the error that we're tempted. But aren't you glad that he's still faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness? The third way the enemy operates, accusation, um, it, it's, a, it's a verbal thing. Temptation is usually a verbal or a thought thing or a sight thing. The third way that he will tempt us is in the area of a distortion that brings a deception. He will distort something to attempt to deceive us to do something we shouldn't do to destroy. So that, does that make sense? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the word said, ye shall know the truth, and the truth you know shall set you free. So, so the Bible says in Matthew 24 and 12, in the last days then shall many shall be deceived. And we see, we see today with some of the same-sex churches, we see with some of the religions, we see with some of the things going on, we see that we have a generation that's been completely deceived of righteousness, and they're pursuing their own thing in the humanistic code. Am I helping anybody in the house? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. 
let me write down what I felt like God gave me when I was going through this stuff, listening to some tapes, reading some books. Your thoughts are to the soul what food is to the body. The difference between the natural and the spiritual, the natural body screams when it's hungry. I mean, some, something will rumble in your stomach. Pastor Ron talked Wednesday night about Esau being so hungry he was famished. He sold his birthright. I don't think he was dying. I just don't think that he placed any value on the birthright. But, but you said, I'm starved to death. I'm, your body will tell you, your body will tell you when, when you're hungry. Am I talking to anybody? Now, let me start talking about chicken and dumplings and okra and, and macaroni and cheese and the fried apples, some Cracker Barrel, a big tall glass of icy. Now, am I talking to anybody in, in, in the building? Your body, your body tells you when you're hungry. Unfortunately, when your spiritual man gets hungry, there are no bells and whistles that go off. There's not that built-in, there's not that built-in danger, danger, warning, warning. You haven't been reading your Bible. You haven't been praying. You haven't been speaking, declaring, testifying, singing. There's some things in your, in your life that, that's out of order. And that's why your thoughts are to the soul what food is to the body. Not only do you feed the, soulish, the, the physical man, but it's important to feed the spiritual the soulish man. And how do we feed that? The Bible says we take this word and we eat, we digest it, and we become it. Right now be a good time. Amen. Clap. Amen. All that good. If Jesus was tempted, then we will be tempted. We'll be tempted through thoughts, suggestions, mindsets, rumors, innuendos, even subliminal, even subliminal. But 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 tells us the weapons are warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Watch this. To the pulling down of strongholds and bringing into captivity every thought that comes against the kingdom of God. So we literally, here's our homework. When we see something we shouldn't see, or something is presented to us that should not be presented, or there's a thought, a thought of fear, of rejection, of discouragement, of doubt, of criticism, we immediately arrest that thought and say, no, sir. See, let me show you what, let me show you what, let me show you what Jesus did. When Jesus was tempted of the devil, the devil shows up and say, hey, if you're the son of man, show off. Pull a rabbit out of a hat. Throw yourself down from this pinnacle. Turn these stones into bread. Jesus' attitude is, Satan, your question doesn't even merit an answer. For it is written. And let me tell you this. Whatever the devil brings against you, he said, you are a loser. Satan, it is written. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Satan says, you are broke. You are, you're destined 
to fail, you're going to fail. You say, no, my God owns a cattle of a thousand hills and I belong to him and he blesses me coming in and going out. And every time the devil tries to say you're a loser, I won at Calvary. Jesus did not even answer the devil's question. He just said, it is written. And three times the devil tried to distort a part of scripture, presented to Jesus. Jesus said, I will not be deceived. You're a liar. You're the father of liars and you're going to rot in hell forever. My testimony, I'm going to rule with God. Your testimony, you're going to fry forever. What a, what a, what a, what a God that has blessed us and, and, and blessed us with that. If you'll write this down. I just want to reiterate, sometimes the questions the enemy asks does not even merit an answer. You're wasting my time. You're wasting my thought process. You're wasting my energy. I am not even going to. That is ridiculous, ludicrous. I'm not even going to answer it. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to give you the, the satisfaction of an answer. Most times... Your detection will be your defense. If you write that down, detection is your defense. Michael, several years ago, about 19, 20 years of age, um, I had a friend, and we, we took off a couple of days, and we went to this, this creek. It was a really cool, really cool creek, rocks, water, trees. And so we, we named it. His, name, his last name was Linville. My last name was Davis. So we called it Limbus Ripple. Limbus, seriously, Limbus Ripple. And uh, so we obviously are, you know, um, high. And uh, so I decide to lay out on the rock and just kind of take a nap, just kind of lay on the rock and take a nap. And so I'm laying on the rock. It's probably about, it's probably June, July. It's pretty, pretty warm. We're out for a while and got tired. We're laying by this. We're drinking water. We're drinking whatever. And uh, in those days, there was no such thing as light, so it wasn't Bud Light. It was just the real, the real deal. And uh, I'm, laying on the, I'm laying on the rock. I'm, I'm nodding in and out, the effects of marijuana. And all of a sudden, my friend shoots me. Yeah, he shoots me. I'm laying on the rock by the creek, and all of a sudden, I hear this, boom! And all, all down my side right here, there's rock fragments that peppered me. And I jumped up. Should I leave the expectatives out? Okay, I didn't say anything. I jumped up and I said, what's going on? He's, he's I'm here, and the, he's pointing the gun kind of like over here. And I look over, and there's a seven-foot rattlesnake that he had shot his head off. The rattlesnake was headed my way. I'll... Uh, I don't know if you are aware of this, but the, the Keith, you, you probably know this, the, what would you call, the forward thrust of a rattlesnake is 50,000 miles a second. That's how fast a rattlesnake, it's, 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 he can strike at the speed of light. I never, I never realized that or grasped that. Maybe that's why I never could catch him when they went to try to bite me. So there's his head laying over on the, and it's, it's, it's doing this. 
And everybody goes, don't touch it, don't touch it. He said, there's still venom in it. He said, matter of fact, you could throw this head in the, in the creek. We could come back here and walk barefoot a year from now, step on it, and get the poison. I, didn't, I don't know if he made that up or what, but I made sure I never stepped on the point I made. When you feel like you've done everything you know to do to get the snakes out of your life, whatever you do, there's always going to be a residue that's going to try to distract you. Get used to it. Know it's going to be here. Here's good news for you. There are seasons that snakes come and snakes go. In the winter, I have never, in all my Arizona, California, Montana, Georgia, Alabama, I've never seen a snake in the winter. And if you've ever seen one in the winter, please don't lift your hand because I want to think that snakes hole up in the winter. So there will be seasons in your life when there will be Silas. And those are the times when you're on the mountain and you can raise the dead and you can take on five Goliaths and you're ready to attack hell with a squirt gun. I mean, you're just, you're just, you're, 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 you're bouncing, you're weaving. You're just, it's always a short winter, but there's a season. So you don't always have to be stressed, always be frustrated. There are, there are times in your life when you can enjoy the ride. But it's like a roller coaster. Every once in a while, it's going to flip around once or twice and wake you up. So know that. We are warriors. God called us to be warriors. We struggle coming from the womb all the way through life. Life is a struggle, and there's a war, and we're fighting against the prince of the power of the air. So let me conclude. Chris is probably aware of this, but there is on the Microsoft Word, there's a program called Find... And replace. And what it will do, if you take your manuscript, say you're writing a book, you take a manuscript and you type in the word, a certain word, that process will highlight every single time you've used that word in your essay or your sermon or whatever you're doing. And then there's a button where you can, if you don't like that word, then you can replace that word with another one. It's called find and replace. Wouldn't it be nice if we could highlight the stuff in our life that we didn't like, that frustrated us, that wore us out, that discouraged us, that trashed us, and just replaced it with something better, something that God has for us. The promises of God are yea and amen. If we knew more of his promises than we knew about the attack of the enemy, we might be a little stronger, a little healthier, a little whole. I'll, I'll save the whatever. Do I have five minutes? Okay. Let me, let, me, let me go to the last page. Can I do that? That's a really good page right there. That's the whatever page. A few years ago, I got so irritated at everyone because everything was whatever, whatever. Steve, you ever, I mean, did that just make you want to just, you know what, you, I'll, I'll uh, I'll preach on that later. It is what it is. But it's like, whatever. I mean, you correct, whatever. You know, go to bed, whatever. Clean your room, whatever. It's like, you know what? I'm going to whatever you in a minute here. <laughs> but let me tell you what Philippians 4 says. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honest, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever good report, if there's any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Hello? Those things which thou hast both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, 
and the God of peace shall be with you. Your whatever can bring God into your life. He said, you think on these things, I'm coming, and I'm coming in peace. And that's all I have to say about the whatever. This is what I want to leave with you. You ready? Johann Sebastian Bach was to classical music what William Shakespeare was to English literature, what Sir Isaac Newton was to physics, and what Michael Jordan was to basketball. Bach, 400 years ago, wrote 256 cantatas. His most famous cantata was Jesu, Joy of Man's Desiring. Can anybody hum that for me? Chris can. Angel and Courtney can. Jesu. Are you ready? Are you ready? Angel, Angel, stand and help me. Stand, stand and help me. Jesu, joy of man's desire. Aren't you ready? Da, 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 da. Come on. Da, 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 da. Come on. Da, 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 Altos. Da, 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 da. That was probably his most famous cantata, but you know what he wrote it? He wrote it as the church, as the bride of Christ approaching the throne of God. How cool is that? His cantatas originated as prayers. Most of you know that Courtney and I are going to get a tattoo. We're doing Yahweh, the name of God. I'm doing it on my, on my, over my heart. She's doing it on her wrist. But I just found something else that I want to tattoo on my body. At the top, watch this. At the top of every page, I got the page number, but on the top of every cantata he wrote, which was a prayer, remember that, it was a prayer that he put it to music, the, the cantata, the, the, the prelude of B minor, all those things that he, that he did that were so phenomenal. At the top of his page, he put J dot J dot, which stood for Jesu Juva, which means, Anybody? Jesus, help me. Every, every song, every cantata, everything he did, J.J., Jesus, help me. When he completed a work, over in the margin, he put S-D-G. Soli Dio Gloria, which means to the glory of God alone. Every completed work. Started with the prayer, Jesus help me, concludes with worship and which praise. Watch this. To Bach, the difference between sacred and secular was a false dichotomy. In other words, there was no, there was no sacred and secular. It was all of God. All things were created by God and for God. Every note of music, every color on the palate, every flavor that tingles the taste buds. Arnold Summerfield, the German physicist and Pianists determined that a single hydrogen atom emits 100 frequencies, more music than a grand piano, which only emits how many frequencies, Josh? How many keys on the piano? 88. A single atom emits 100. Does that impress anybody? Yes. Composer Leonard Bernstein translates Genesis 1 and 3 like this. Not God said, God sang. 
meets every atom into existence. Every atom echoes the original melody sung in three-point harmony by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Just an old-fashioned love song, three-point harmony. And God sang, let there be light, and there was light. And God sang, let there be birds, and there was birds. And God sang, let there be rivers, let there be oceans, let there be heavens. And God sang, let there be a cross. And on that cross, Jesus sang back and said, it is finished. Don't you know that we've got a song to sing? We've got a story to tell. I'm getting ahead of myself. Next week, I want to look at the word, another look at awesome. It's out of my message. I'm going to go, I'm going to show you some things that are incredible, unbelievable. But did you know that a whale, Michael knows this, that a whale can be heard over a thousand miles away underwater? Did you know that even, are you ready for this? The meadowlark has a range of over 300 notes. The metal arc does not just sing in the majors. He sings in the minors. Did you know that even the earthworm makes faint staccato sounds when it digs? Jesus said, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. They have amplified and actually have determined that rocks can actually sing and stay in rhythm. Does that impress anybody in this house? And there's a day coming. Revelation 5 and 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him that sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and forever. Today we've just got Bach and Three Dog Night, but there's a day coming when every bird, every eagle, every tree, every rock, every river, every stream is going to sing and they're going to praise and worship. And we are going to sing a new song saying, Thou art worthy to receive honor and glory and power. Does that excite anybody in the building? You think we did music, God said in Zephyrite 3 and 17, is that a joyous choir I hear? No, it's the Lord himself exalting over you in happy sound, in happy sound. God's singing over you. To some of you, he's singing what you need to hear. I think to some in this house, he's singing, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know, child, how much I love you. Please don't take my sunshine away. To some of you, he's singing, joy to the world, all the boys and girls, joy to the fishes, deep blue sea. Come on, joy to you and me. To some of you, he's probably saying, walk a mile in my shoes before you criticize the beauty. But it's so funny to know that everything that God has put together praises and worships him. And when we cast down wrong thoughts, when we bring in, the, in captivity, what's going to happen? God's going to give you a song. You shall have a song in the night. You'll have a song in the morning. Your CD player, your cassette player, DVD player, everything will be, be filled with the song of God. And it might just help you think right. Amen. Look at somebody and say, stinking thinking. Go ahead. You need to get your head right. Go ahead. Look at somebody and say, you need to get your mind right. There are nine things I ask you to write down. I missed two of them, so if you've got at least those seven, I hope that it will be a blessing. I hope that it will be encouragement. Can we pray? We thank you for without preparation, there is no presence. Esther spent six months every day. They took that, that lotion 
and rubbed her skin so she would be soft. And then for six months, they took that fragrance, they bathed in that fragrance so that she would have that fragrance of a, of a princess. Without, pre- without preparation, there is no presence. We thank you for your word. We thank that we've digested it. We will go and we'll ponder those things you spoke to us and we will document that they are correct for the mouth of two or three. And we allow this word to change us. We'll be careful what we speak over ourselves. We'll be careful what we let others speak over us. We'll be careful what we see, what we listen to, what we bring into our life. For we are temples of the Holy Spirit and we will feed this temple God food. We'll feed this temple spirit food. We'll feed this temple on the word of God, the thoughts of God, the songs of God, the life of God, the love of God. Bless us, everyone, in Jesus' name. Y'all said, amen. Thank you for allowing me just to have fun. Did you have fun this morning? Did you learn anything this morning? Was it, it, did it help? Did it bless you? I'm sorry I missed that, that one page. But you know what? We'll, it'll, come up. it'll come up sooner or later. I've already put Dawson. Uh, I've had three people tell me they went on podcasts and couldn't find it. I told them it hadn't been podcasted yet. That's why they couldn't find it. How, how hilarious is that? But um, put something positive on Facebook. I like what Josh... You see what Josh put on Facebook today about his church? And did you see what Pastor Ronna responded to? He responded, yeah, we also have a great praise and worship leader. That's what Pastor Ronna said to, in response to his, yeah. So uh, thank, God for, thank God for what he's doing. Thank God for what he's saying. Thank God for all the pieces in place. Thank God for Matt and Marissa taking care of all, all of our beautiful children. Brother Chris. Spring forward. We lose an hour.